drinking your tequila on the bourbon podcast. Look. <laughs> Look. A lot of people know <laughs> that I'm not I'm not the biggest bourbon drinker. I know, but but, but that's part of why you're on this episode too. Well, I brought out a like, smattering not, of offerings for you. It's not like I'm you. not going to. Oh my gosh. Okay, also I realize why everybody's so loud when they record this podcast now because I cannot hear a darn thing other than my own <laughs> voice. <laughs> Like, I might as well be screaming. (laughs) All right, you ready? Wait. (coughs) Amateur hour. everybody to another episode of this my bourbon podcast i'm perry i'm your host and i have a semi-returning guest on the show she she was on before but she wasn't drinking i just want to go ahead and establish that this time though it's full-on bourbon none of this tequila crap that she has apparently been drinking before <laughs> uh thank your lovely wife for that one yes yes uh, it's my sister sarah hello hello she turned 21 two months ago so three months ago Two months ago. ago. (laughs) It's been a minute. Two and a half months ago. It's been a minute. I'm a veteran now. Okay. Well, (laughs) you're really giving yourself a lot of credit there. We've been saying for a while that Sarah was going to be on the show when she actually turned 21 and we were going to drink some bourbon and and talk something really cool. Not tequila. Um, I'm going to make that clear. We're going to talk something that was really interesting for the both of us and I'm I'm pretty excited about it. But before we actually get started... Oh boy. We have a segment that we like to do called Flying Blind, where I blind our guests with something they don't know what it is. Okay. All right. So okay. <laughs> Sarah has a couple, well, not not quite a couple ounces, maybe about an ounce and a half in uh, her This is My Bourbon Podcast glass. Which you should and sell. I would love to sell it sometime. Yeah. I'm, I'm considering that, but... I mean, I would exclusively drink bourbon out of this. <laughs> <laughs> not tequila. And that's kind of the point, isn't it? It's a little fruity on the nose. I smell caramel. I do as well. Um, it, it also has kind of a, a funky mustiness to it. It does. It kind say. of smells like uh, our grandmother's house. It does smell like grandma's cabinets. <laughs> we don't call her grandma, though. No, it's Mimi. <laughs> I feel little, like it like, could have like, come out of too. her cabinet. Oh, I think so as well. Right, yeah. Are you playing a trick on me? Uh, no, I am not. It tastes just as musty as it smells. <laughs> I agree. But it's good. It doesn't it's, it doesn't burn. It reminds me quite a bit of the nose, actually. I think that it has a lot of what is prevalent on the nose um, in some of that caramel and some of the graham cracker notes as well. I think it's actually, I think when I say graham cracker, it's actually kind of leaning a little bit more s'mores-y. I was just about to say yeah. that I, if I were going to drink this anywhere, it would be around a campfire. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. I bet it would go really well with wow. a cigar, too. We do like a cigar. Oh, man. This I is love like, that. The, the this is actually one of my, <laughs> I really like this compared to some of the things that I've tried. I really just don't like the burn. Sure. So anytime that you give me something that doesn't burn, I'm all for it. Well, I, it's like, I'm fine with that. This is very drinkable <laughs> for me, for somebody who, sorry, everyone. 
doesn't drink bourbon a whole lot. <laughs> I brought you on the show for a reason. We're going to we're going to work on that a little bit, but look. We'll get there. Look. Don't look me. <laughs> <laughs> we have a mutual respect for each other, Perry. <laughs> And we're going to put that respect, to the test. I respect your taste. <laughs> you respect mine. <laughs> I'll bring you on my wine podcast dropping uh, January 1st, 2020. <laughs> Is that official? Are you really doing that? No. I have uh, been thinking about starting a podcast, but What kind of podcast would you do? Well, I don't want to give away too many details, but oh, fine. <laughs> I feel like I could bring a lot of your audience over to something that I would do just because... Your people are so awesome. You heard it here first. Actually, not first. I've said that a lot. You guys are awesome. <laughs> yeah, shout out to everybody that I was able to meet in Louisville. Yeah, and everybody... To uh, my bourbon you, moms. We've been talking about this episode <laughs> since uh, at least then. I think I was and trying to keep it kind of a secret, like what we were going to talk about, and I don't think it it was kept secret. <laughs> uh, not really, no. After you know but everybody, my $90 bar tab that night. <laughs> You can take that up with with yourself, all right. Oh, but, I have. <laughs> but everybody's been really excited about this episode, and um, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited to get into it as well. But we're not quite there yet. No, I don't want to mess up your your flow here. This this is to to close out flying blind here. This was a sample, a, a sample bottle that was sent to me by our listener Joseph Brazo, who's going to be. Um, here in in Lexington next month. I'm really excited to see him. Ooh, can I meet him? Sure, why not? <laughs> he, we're friends on Facebook. Yes. Yeah, 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 you are. Yeah, he's cool. All that he did with this bottle is he just labeled it Drink Me. So I think I, I saw no, like a picture of I have of that, no idea or... what this is. Wow, I feel special. Yeah. <laughs> You're just as blind as I am with this one. <laughs> it kind of tastes like scotch, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe in For some like, of the earthy flavors. Like the two times that I've had scotch. I could kind of see that in some of the earthier flavors, but overall I think that it has more bourbon characteristics to it than it does It does anything. But anyway, uh, Joseph Brazo, you're probably going to let me know here in a little bit what it is because it's really freaking good. Shout out uh, Joseph. Yeah. Thank you so much for sending this. He sent me Isn't a bunch of orthodontist. Uh, yeah, he sent me a bunch of uh, Brazo orthodontics swag as well. He sent me a hat. Oh, that's right. You posted on the... In a page, yeah, one of the pages, sent, yeah. He sent me a hat, he sent me a shirt, he sent me a couple of water bottles, he sent me some beakers so I could do better with blending. So Joseph, I'm in college, I can always use a water bottle. <laughs> like <laughs> keeping hydrated in college is always uh, it's key. Yeah. It's important. Anyway. Anyway. So that was flying blind. <laughs> Before we get to the topic though, Sarah, I gotta ask you. Do you have a sponsor or something? No, what have okay. you been drinking recently? <laughs> what have I been drinking? <laughs> Well, I get the feeling this answer is not going to be about bourbon. Well, I mean, for my birthday, you gave me a bottle of Turkey 101. I did, yeah. I drank the whole thing <laughs> by myself, not in one sitting, of course. I would be dead. <laughs> Our parents would kill you. How is that my fault? Uh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. You're old enough to make your own decisions about that. Don't put this on me. Well, this is why yeah, we okay. waited until you were 21 to be on the podcast. Uh-huh. Continue. Uh-huh. What else have you been drinking recently? Uh, I drink wine mostly. I drink vodka. Um, this is my vodka podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, about that. So um. here's the deal. 
I just have a hard time with the dark liquors. It's okay. Not so much uh, in the moment, but the next morning. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I'm sorry that tomorrow's going to be a little bit rough for you, but... I mean, I, I have prepared. We'll get there together. We shall. <laughs> Great. <laughs> good talk. Yeah, good talk. Great um, talk. I wish I could give you like a good wine recommendation, but I'm, like I said, on a college budget. There's some good cheap wines out there. Uh, I le- I love a two buck chuck from Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Target actually has like two or three dollar wine now too, or maybe it's five. Hmm. Target actually has a pretty good liquor selection. I've been surprised they by do. them. I was in Target the other day and I was going to text you and see if you wanted me to look for anything. And then I realized I didn't have my ID on me. So <laughs> <laughs> that was out of the question. Cause I still yeah. kind of look like I might, I could be either 18 or 25. Like it's anywhere. Somewhere in, in between. Yeah. It's always a toss like, up whether or not somebody's <laughs> going to ask you for your ID. I get, I get or that. our I get father that. will be having dinner and he'll be like, you know, she just turned 21. <laughs> Like, you know. <laughs> anything else? You been drinking anything else? <laughs> you ever had a White Claw? Can't say I have. That's is it probably... a vodka drink? No. What is it? It's Spike Seltzer. Oh. Then no. I definitely I, haven't. I think that even Lucy doesn't like them, which is... I think they're good. They're 100 calories. Hmm. Like, two carbs. Which is, I'm not trying to get carbs from alcohol, so. <laughs> when I'm just, you Again, know. <laughs> welcome to this podcast. Welcome to, this is my white girl podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just the other night finished off a bottle of Bellmead Cast Strength Reserve. It was very, very good. I did kind of get into a little bit of a conversation with our buddy Wade Woodard on whether or not that is actually two years old or four years old or straight bourbon whiskey or not straight bourbon whiskey because it doesn't actually say on the label whether or not it's straight bourbon whiskey so if you guys have any insight into that please let me know at my bourbon pod or this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com i would love to learn a little bit something new uh let's see what else that really good russell's pick that i had from unlimited spirit i wound up going and picking up another bottle of that the is other that the day. same three bottles no it's it's different picks okay I was so, going to say, you must really like it if it's the uh, same. Well, well, I do really love Russell's yeah. Reserve. Don't get me wrong. but um, So there's actually four bottles in there. There's one behind one of them. And they're all four different barrel picks by different places. So, Do you organize your cabinet in a certain way? Yes, I do. I was going to see. By distillery. Yeah. So, Well, except for the top. So the top is for... I can't believe I'm doing this. The top is for <laughs> uh, bigger <laughs> bottles that don't fit anywhere else in the in the cabinet. Um, but then I have Heaven Hill, um, Old Forester, I have Buffalo Trace, Wild Turkey, um, and then everything else I have less of. So like there's a little bit of Makers, there's a little bit of Four Roses, there's a little bit of Jim Beam, there's a little bit of Woodford, but, and then like the bottom is just kind of mismatch of, mm. of certain stuff. Which you can't see. So yeah. Anyway, it's beautiful. that's, that's it's like my arrangement. really nice too. to look at, honestly. Oh, thank you. It's very satisfying once I get it all reorganized yeah. and... No, this room up. is so from where from where it started, when which was not a you whole lot. Painstaking hours into you and Granddad. We did, uh, yes, we painted a, a lot. What a whirlwind of a couple days. We painted a lot in that, that, that forty eight hours. <laughs> it's like the week before Christmas. <laughs> yes, it was. 
Anyway, so before we get into this, would you like to try something else here, Sarah? Yeah, should I knock the rest of this back? Well, you can. It's up to you. So so I wanted to do something kind of different for you as well, because I don't really know what your palate's like. I don't know what you do or don't like other than Turkey 101. That I don't like anything that burns. Yes, I know, but there's more to it than just whether or not something burns. So I wanted to kind of offer up some different things. Okay. And the first thing that I wanted to offer to you. I feel like everybody should have this experience when you turn 21. Just to, because I feel like when you turn 21, they're like, here, drink some blue sugar. Ugh. And you're like, okay. (laughs) What else? What else is there to be offered? So this is a an, an Elijah Craig pick from OBC. I learned a lot about Elijah Craig in the making of this podcast. Did you really? I did. Huh. I don't know exactly what you did for this podcast, but... Um, I don't know what you did either. One, one, one step at a time. So the first thing... Yeah, we'll take it slow. Um, I just poured it, like I said, an Elijah Craig pick from, from OBC. So we're going to be sipping on that while we chat. Mm-hmm. And we did something really different for this episode. That this is I am, groundbreaking. <laughs> I'm really excited <laughs> about this. So when Sarah and I were setting up this episode and we were trying to figure out what exactly it was that we were going to do, I, I kind of had this idea for different legal I cases. Idea. I think we went, we came to it together. I don't know where it came from, honestly. Me neither. It doesn't matter. We were probably drinking, um, honestly. Probably. So... <laughs> The idea was different legal cases or high profile legal cases in bourbon. And what we were going to do is we were both going to wind up doing researching different topics and then writing a report on them and talking about them on the actual show. We made sure via Lucy that we didn't have the same topic. We don't have the same topic. I know that much. She tried to trick you. Um, Yes, she did. And I was not happy about it. (laughs) Uh, this, anyway, my, my case is extremely like, like Casey. Yeah. But also you have to take in, into consideration that this is what I do. Well, sure. <laughs> I, for, for those of you that don't know, which is probably most of you. <laughs> yeah. Explain to them why this is what we wanted to do. I am just as of a couple weeks ago, a senior at UK university of Kentucky. Ooh. You have a sister that's a senior in college. And I have a brother who's in his third year of grad school. Second year of grad school. He's about to go into his third year. No, he graduated last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway. Um, I'm a political science major. I love law. I love uh, court. I love true crime. My largest podcast love, Sorry, Perry. It's all good. I know my lot in life. <laughs> is true crime. We can talk about that later. Yeah, that's for but, tips and bits. Yeah, tips and bits. Got lots of things to say for that. But um, I think that I'll try to keep my opinions out of this too much, but I like how law is interpreted over how law is made. So it's really uh, interesting to me to look into cases that have to do with bourbon, especially because... We have so many roots in our family. Like, Heck yeah. Yeah, that actually is, we'll talk about that more that's in a, second, that's a, Yeah, that's another, that's a conversation for a different day, but. Well, we're going to talk about it because it has to do a lot with what I'm going to talk about. What? Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I have. All right. Like I didn't 
so a lot of what I do at school is I brief cases. We have to read the longest cases you could ever imagine. Mostly they come down from the Supreme Court and we brief them in a one page summary. And that's kind of what I've done here because it's what I'm used to. And I'm going to try to keep the legal jargon out of it because at this point I don't even really understand all of it. <laughs> but I mean, Google is always a friend. <laughs> so tell me what, what was it that you, what did you report on? Well, Perry, I'll start by asking you this. Oh, is this how we're going to get on topic? Yes. You're going to ask me a question? This is very do-go-on of you. <laughs> All right. So when we were growing up, what was our father's drink of choice? Maker's Mark. On the rocks with a splash of water? Yes. <laughs> I could tell you that half drunk in my sleep. <laughs> I could... <laughs> like, I don't know how many times I heard that. Growing up. Makers on the rocks, splash water. So it's kind of ironic because uh, your dear wife poured me a tequila before this. <laughs> and this case is Makers Mark Distillery v. Diageo North America Incorporated. Okay. Yeah. Which is Jose Cuervo. And they also own Bullet and a, a slew of other companies as well. I did not know so, that. Yes. Diageo is uh, the owner of Bullet. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. That's actually really interesting because you wouldn't think that they would have allowed what happened to happen. So back in 2003, I was five years old. <laughs> uh, Maker's Mark filed a complaint to the Western District Court of Kentucky which covers Louisville, Paducah, Bowling Green, and one other... Elizabethtown? Probably. Sounds about right. Um, they filed a complaint because Jose Cuervo was releasing this reserve tequila that very closely resembled the Maker's Mark drip. Which, which by the way, is 100% illegal because they have a copyright claim uh, on, the, on the Maker's Wax strip. And we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Go ahead. I know that this isn't the first time that this has happened, but it's. I kind of wanted to put an asterisk on how important images are to bourbon. Because... Heck yeah. I mean, think about how much... Like, if you can think of one thing that describes our dad... You, th you think Maker's Mark, because that's what we grew up seeing, you know? Sure, yeah, so, and, and, and like, <clears throat> I think to that point, too, it's not just, um, you know, like, the, the personal relationships that you develop with it, but just, like, the brand identification, and, and I mean, I'm mm -hmm. a, you know, as you all know, I'm a graphic designer by trade, so when I think of, you know, identifying marks, it's not necessarily the logo for Maker's Mark. It's more so the image of the, the wax strip. So if that's important to their brand, of course, that's going to be something that they tried to defend. And they, they used the, almost the exact wax strip. It was red. It was stamped. Jose Cuervo did? Uh-huh. For a really? tequila. And like, you rolled your eyes just now. Mm-hmm. And it's because you take personal offense to it. Like... Even even if I didn't, I I think that there's still a level of 
how did this get past enough people to go? It's fine. Don't worry. Well, about especially it. because Bullet <laughs> is under the same corporation. Sure. You know. Sure. So I'll kind of, without, I'll kind of spare you the details because it's a little, the is it jargony? It is, and the one thing I will say is that the beginning of this, uh, the the document for the case, it's gives a history of bourbon in a very, very poetic way. And I really appreciated that. And I tried to, I, I actually spent like a very long time trying to pull one quote from it <laughs> and I couldn't do it. Cause it's just all like so nice. Will you, um, include like send me an email with that link? Yeah, I was going to, I was actually going to, uh, cite it at the end. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm, I cited if my I'm sources gonna go, too. If I'm going to go to law school that I'm not going to be, you know, <laughs> called on this of all things. I agree. I um, so this went to district court for first and then it was appealed by Jose Cuervo and Diageo to the sixth circuit. And for those of you who don't know, the sixth circuit is the court that you would go to in this region before the U.S. Supreme Court. So Ooh, I don't think I knew that. Uh, you wouldn't know that if you didn't go to college. I mean, if you didn't go to... <laughs> you did go to college. I Perry went to, went to college, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Seven years. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> if they had decided to file another appeal, it would have gone to the Supreme Court. But of course, the Supreme Court wouldn't have accepted it because they only accept a very small amount of cases. This case went to a bench trial, which is typical of a civil, uh, a civil trial, which means that it didn't stand before a jury. Hmm. So okay. a judge ruled on it. And six days for a civil trial is a long time. There are murder trials that go for one day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this was six days. So why did this go for so long? There were so many legal implications of how you aesthetically use a label and they brought so many different witnesses to the stand to talk about, well, this is how we see the label and, you know, other people have used the label in this way, but still it goes back to Maker's Mark. It was theirs originally. And it talks about in here in the case, I, I don't know if I'll be able to find it specifically, but they talk about how the Maker's Mark seal has always been iconic yeah and so after the six days the judge ruled in favor of maker's mark they affirmed the decision of maker's mark or of the district court sorry yeah that doesn't surprise me honestly i mean well they should have i mean duh yeah i mean (laughs) again it goes back to the fact that they have a copyright on the Right. On the image of the, the wax strip. Let's take a break for just a second, though. Um, what, what do you think about the Elijah Craig that I poured for you? I like it. It's very warm. <laughs> I feel like I'm... In what way? I feel like I'm giving you um, descriptions on, like... Experience instead of flavors? I feel like whenever you're like, what does that taste like to you? Like, when we're wherever here, mom and dad's, I'm like, it tastes like... Caramel, vanilla, or berries. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the, I need, the I core need more ele- descriptive words. <laughs> those are the core elements of bourbon, though. I mean, that's what, you know, when, when 
you think of bourbon, you think of caramel, vanilla, and oak. So that makes sense that that's what you what you pick up on, you know, just kind of as general flavors. And This is more oaky to me. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, a... I could eat it with a waffle. Hmm. Or drink it with a waffle. Drink it with a waffle. <laughs> it does have kind of grainy characteristics to it. Not in the way that, like, it's, you know, like, young or anything, but I could taste some of the like the actual rye in it some of the corn but even then i see what you're saying i think what you're kind of reacting to is a little bit of a maple syrup flavor mm-hmm. that's why i said waffles yeah yeah for sure for sure like if i were gonna have waffles this would be the bourbon to drink it or shoot eat it with <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway back okay. to back to your report um my report what is this fourth grade <laughs> i wrote a report you did i think you i think you uh showed I, me up here i think i went in a bit of a different direction than you did but that's okay you're gonna enjoy this story oh, I'm very excited. quite a bit i'm very excited i i was i was going through I honestly it. did you have a hard time finding something no because everything i just like went into google and i started typing in bourbon uh judicial you know whatever right and it would all come up as Bourbon County. Mm, okay. And then I I would sense. like change up Bourbon. Yeah. And then I would still come back to Bourbon County. And I don't remember how exactly I found this specific case. So I, the reason that I found mine is because I knew about this prior. And... <laughs> That's the that's the thing is that I had I had an idea of where I wanted to go with it. I had a couple different ideas, but when I actually selected what I did, mm-hmm. I thought, "Ooh, this is fun." See, I think I was talking. Who was I talking to this about? I think it was when we were at Idle Hour when we went to that uh, Marianne's thing. You remember? Yeah. Uh huh. I think I was talking to. It was like her manager. Sure. You remember? Yeah. He was like. If you feel passionate about passionate about going into law and you like bourbon and you like the heritage of Kentucky, distilleries need attorneys. Yes, they do. And I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had never thought about that. And I Hey, you should do that, Sarah. I would love to. I would I mean it would be so fulfilling awesome. to me. It'd be awesome. If you ever if you were ever to expand your horizons into distilling to make a to, to have my own distillery <sighs> i mean perry like you're not i think i'm sorry i think i'm sweating now <laughs> i think that one got me we'll talk about that you're, only, you're only 20 however <laughs> years old <laughs> yeah, but anyway I, where yeah. did i leave off in the suit maker's mark filed for an injunction and what an injunction is is a legal warning to another the other party saying that if you don't remove a logo or uh, something that's been copywritten, then we have the right to sue you. And in the district court, this is interesting to me, in the district court, they did not allow the injunction to go through, but in the circuit court, they did. I don't don't really know why. Okay, well, I guess it's because the circuit court probably saw it as a more of a problem. But then when it, once it got to the district court, they didn't think that it needed to go any further, right? That's true. I didn't think but, about that. But Maker's still 
Maker still won, to me, though, right? To me, I kind of see it as it's kind of two-folded where the circuit court didn't want it to go any further because they didn't see a reason for it to go any further. So if an injunction is issued, they act, like they kind of can't push it any forward. Like Jose Cuervo can't push it to the Supreme Court, which they would never do. Like you're not going to mess with the Supreme Court. Well, sure. And then the other side of it is uh, kind of warning to everybody else. Don't mess with us. Yeah, don't mess with us. <laughs> like we can lawyer up on you, <laughs> which of course Maker's Mark always will lawyer uh, up when they yes. need to. Yes, they will. I think one thing that I also learned that was interesting is that the number of cases that distilleries go through every year. Did yeah, you find that too? That that's a thing that that people don't it's really like talk about. They're in and about. out of court all the time. Yeah. Well, for for example. This past year, Bob Dylan launched his own whiskey, Heaven's Door. I didn't know that. Yeah. And Heaven Hill sued them because they said it was too close to their name. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that has ended up or if that's gone anywhere. I would love to keep a Google alert on that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that is a thing that, that happens quite often is distilleries will find fault in other distilleries or, or whiskey makers or whomever and try to defend their brand against what other people are doing. Do you feel like it sometimes feels as if they're put up against each other? Like Kinda they, yes. they, they I, take the legal route to say that I'm better than you. No. Oh, no. I, I'm going I, I to try to not like... See, I Say under- too much. yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from with that point of view. I don't necessarily feel that way mm-hmm. though, because do you feel a camaraderie between? Yeah, for the most part, distilleries, it, it, at least Kentucky bourbon distilleries, have a pretty good relationship with one another, and have for a really long time. And sure, that there is there th- this sense of competition, but. What you may not know is that Jimmy Russell, who was the master distiller at Wild Turkey, is really good friends with Fred No, who was the master distiller at Jim Beam. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they have a really good relationship with mm-hmm. each other. And before Fred was his dad, Booker, he had a, and, and Jimmy had a good relationship with Booker as well. And so like. Bourbon's such a name game. I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's this like multi-tiered level of people being able to get along and a really good example of that too is in um in 96 i think it was 96 i, I know that people are going to be yelling at me for this um shut up there was my a, brother <laughs> there was a massive <laughs> fire at heaven hill i remember i think i've heard of that yeah, yeah. you you can't remember it you weren't <coughs> well, alive i, I know. remember you talking you remember about hearing it. about it um <laughs> well one of the things that i actually pulled out is a, a pre-fire offering to for you to try because i'm curious how you might respond to to some some older products some dustier products when that fire happened though there were multiple distilleries from around the state that came together and helped them out that donated barrels to them wow so that they could continue to profit and help to try to rebuild that makes me want to cry But the the point is that there there is a good relationship mm-hmm. distillery to distillery. But when things come up like that, I don't see it as personal. I see it as trying to defend what you 
built and the it comes the, back to community exactly yes yeah. and i was actually gonna i was gonna say here at the end of my report as you say <laughs> <laughs> that this is kind of a tldr of this case there's a lot that went into it people go to court because a family loses their child in an injustice situation and they have the courage to sit before a jury and listen to the details of a case that is so personal. Yeah. And in a way, bourbon to this community is the same. Yeah. It's a child. Absolutely. It feels like a child. And when uh, something wrong has been done to the community, then we're sure as heck going to stand up and yeah, we are. make sure that everything's done right by it. So, I, I like, too, the, the, the way that you come before this particular topic is in i and i'm not trying to say this negatively but in like a kind of a newbie way like oh yeah you know i mean like you're, you're, i very much regard myself as somebody who uh you have a lot to learn of course yeah and and like regardless though i mean this is why i come to this very humbly <laughs> But this this is why I get so excited about this community and about what the what the future of mm-hmm. bourbon holds, because there is that passion growing all the time in new bourbon drinkers or people who still find passion and 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 you know some kind of pride in not just Kentucky and not just bourbon but you know. Bourbon's not just native to Kentucky. It's of course not, America's yeah. native spirit. The, actually, I, in this case, it's cited in here as uh, like the date of it when it was. I think it was Grant that. Yes. Yeah, Grant. He was it Grant or Taft? Taft. Sorry. Yeah, it was yeah. Taft. See, uh, you, I know my Ulysses, stuff. Ulysses S. Grant was also a bourbon drinker. That's yes. why. Yes, he was. Yeah. Anyway, well, thanks for the the little report uh, there. Sarah. Of course, yeah. I um, I feel like every time that I interact with you and like the bourbon sense and people who listen to this podcast i'm more inspired to learn more and i hope that this isn't the last case that i get to talk about or <laughs> maybe even one day i can argue a case in, in front favor of, of bourbon uh, oh that would be awesome that would be so perry cool. would be like my sister's the attorney t-shirt <laughs> i'd be i'd be in the front row be in like, the courtroom yeah. I'd, I'd have like a sign i'd be all painted up I'd be like perry come on <laughs> But I mean, honestly, of all the directions that I could take my career, it'd be one of the ones that I'm most interested in. So I'd, Good to hear. I'm very glad to have learned about this case, especially something that hits so close to home for us. Amen to that. Yeah. Well, as we transition, Sarah, would you like to pour something else? Sure. All right. So I went ahead and I finished I poured... everything that you poured me. So I'm, I'm proud of you. You should be proud. I'm proud of you. I'm starting um... to perk up a little from my <laughs> current hangover yes uh-huh. <laughs> um well i poured some of this pre-fire heaven hill since we were talking about it yeah before so is this, the, is this it it is that right there yeah it's the what is you know now the green label 90 proof it's still green label and it was still 90 proof from back then um but it doesn't carry the six-year age statement that it does now what does that mean well it means that it's at least six years old Oh, that, so, that would make sense. All right, so here we go. <laughs> so for those of you don't know who don't know, including this smells Sarah, very much like the first one. Yeah, it smell. It also smells kind of dusty. Yeah, kind of musty and funky. But it's gonna burn. I can tell. 
don't think so. Everybody's be like, can she shut up about it burning? <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway. supposed to burn. <laughs> so here, here's the thing about age statements. They, of course, indicate how old a, a bourbon actually is. If it's under four years old, it has to have an age statement on it. If it's under two years old, it can't be called straight bourbon For whiskey. For what reason? I know why it can't be called straight bourbon whiskey, but why can't it? If it's Why does it have to have the age on it? If it's between two and four years old, yeah. No, no, no. If it's under four years old, it right. has to have the age statement on it. Just so people know. You mean, say it's like nine months old. You have to indicate that. It's a human child. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but over four years old, it doesn't have to have the age statement on it. Um, with something like Bottle and Bond, it's pretty much assumed, unless it's age stated, um, that it is at least four years old. It just kind of depends on the... I mean, it has to come from a single distilling season, which is a whole other thing to get into. And it's but, funny because all of these regulations come from law. Exactly. Yeah. The Bottle Tying and Bond it all Act. Back. The Bottle and Bond Act of 1897, which is actually not what I chose for this. I almost did. <laughs> I almost did too. I, I feel like as much as everybody knows what the Bottle and Bond Act is... You don't really know what it is or the history of it. So maybe if I'm uh, ever back on here, which I'm sure I will, of course. What? Well, no, it's... This doesn't have a burn to it at all. No, it doesn't. It smells like wood. <laughs> but... Um, it's very... This is a very easy to drink pour. I could really it really is, trouble with this. But I like the first one the best. I really would love to know what that is. But anyway, enough about the, the regulations of bourbon. That's a conversation for another time. Would you like for me to get into my report? Yes, of course. All right. So you started with a question. That wasn't going to originally, but I figured I may as well start with a question. We love a question. Anyway. So, Sarah. Okay. <laughs> what bourbon retails for around $250? Pappy. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's so much to talk about here. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're talking about the Great Pappy Heist. Do you know anything about yes, this? Yes, I do. I remember okay. you were just getting into like... I was just getting yeah, into bourbon when I all this happened. I don't even think happened. you had started the podcast yet. Oh, I definitely had yeah. not. I definitely had I not. I kind of like... You were interested in what was going on and I was like... I was like, whatever, but uh -huh. <laughs> of course I want to know more about All it. All right. So, so um, but before I actually get into, and I, I did less of like the, the legal side of it. Um, yeah, and I more pretty of just much kind like of brought the, you to the courtroom with mine. So <laughs> I, I did more of like the background <laughs> of it and, and kind of more of the story. So I wanted to start though. This is real important. I feel like this is a really, yeah. <laughs> look, I gotta be honest with you. I haven't written like a, a research paper since I was in college. Perry is excited. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> I mean, like I wrote 1,200 words on this on this essay. Is it double space? No. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> so it's not, I, a, it's not a real research paper. I wanted to start though with a bit of a background on um, not just uh, the Van Winkle bourbon line, but also Pappy Van Winkle because there was a little bit that I honestly didn't know mm -hmm. about him um, going into this. So in 1893. 
When Julian Pappy Van Winkle Sr. was 18 years old, he began working as a salesman for the liquor wholesaler W.L. Weller and Sons. Um, we actually have some Weller Antique 107 on the table, which yeah. we can we can taste here in a little bit. It's so interesting to me. Um, I'm looking at Russell's. I'm looking at Baker's. It's so interesting to see how all the names kind of, they go back so far. Uh-huh. And we're sitting here drinking slash talking about all of it now yeah so absolutely yeah but 15 years later uh, pappy and another weller salesman bought the firm and in 1910 they acquired the stitzel distillery in louisville kentucky which had started as a sour mash whiskey distillery in 1872 stitzel yeah, Stitzel comes into play a little bit later. We'll talk a little bit more about Stitzel's them as well. Stitzel's still around. Stitzel Weller is not still around as mm, a distillery. Okay. But the, the, the grounds itself are still around, and that's actually where the Bullet Distillery is now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So before Prohibition, the old Rip Van Winkle product uh, was introduced. During Prohibition, however, um, Stitzel had been permitted to sell medicinal whiskey and continued to do so until repeal. And on Derby Day, 1935, the Stilweller Distillery was opened, and they would... Derby pre- Day? Yeah, Derby Day that's in 1935. Cool. That's uh, That gives me, like, chills. That's, like, as Kentucky as yeah. it gets, right? <laughs> I mean, like, this is part of our, again, part of our heritage. Uh, they would produce brands such as W.O. Weller, like we talked about, Old Fitzgerald, Rebel Yell, and Cabin Still, which are all weeded mash bill bourbons, which means that they take rye out of the mash bill and they replace it with wheat, for you who might not know that, um... As opposed to corn? No, 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 no. So bourbon uh, comprises usually three main ingredients. Corn, which takes up 51%. Uh, Legally, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. rye, and then malted barley. If it's a weeded mash bill, though, it still maintains that 51% corn, but then it replaces rye with wheat. Hmm. And typically it keeps that malted barley aspect of the, the mash bill um, because it's important to the actual fermentation of it because of the enzymes that are present. Wow. It's a whole scientific wow. thing. We're g- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the, the basis of it is that the, the wheat takes away some of the, the spicier characteristics that you would get with rye mm-hmm. and introduces more of a sweeter profile to it, which is really characteristic of the Van Winkle line because that is, it's all, it's all weeded product. Anyway. Unfortunately, though, Pappy would pass away in 1965 at the age of 89, but that would make him, at the time, the oldest living distiller. <sighs> Up until he was 89, he was still distilling bourbon. Uh, his son, um, Julian Jr., Julian. Uh, would reintroduce... <laughs> That was his father's name, too. He was Julian Pappy Van Winkle Sr. It just doesn't seem like a Kentucky name to me. <laughs> um, anyway, Van Winkle Sorry. Bourbon. Sorry, Julians of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Julian Jr. Uh, would take over production of that, but it wouldn't uh, come back. The Van Winkle line actually wouldn't come back until 1972 when he decided to use older stock and bottle it under the family name. After he passed in 1981... His son, Julian III, who is still alive overseas and represents the brand, he took over. Um, <laughs> anyway, the, the Stitzel Weller Distillery, uh, which, of course, we mentioned before, closed officially in 1991, and the Van Winkle line has been produced and bottled by Buffalo Trace since 2002. Now, here's the important thing about... I didn't know that. Here's the important thing about the Pappy Van Winkle line. Mm-hmm. 
it did not actually gain any kind of recognition until 1996 when it was given a a score of 99 by a whiskey reviewer, which is basically unprecedented Who's in the world. Who's a whiskey reviewer? I can't remember off the top of my head. I didn't actually note it. Mm-hmm. I just remember it from doing the research. Because I feel like, and I think that I've tried Pappy, probably a lot of people have tried Pappy that are listening to this. I've tried a lot better bourbons. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like maybe yeah, but this, this was... person who was reviewing it might have had an esteemed position. So Do you feel the same way? I don't know because bourbon back in 96 wasn't the game that it is today in 2019. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't know the full details of how this person came to the, the score that they did. That being said, I feel like that's though, a major uh, piece. I think that would kind of break it open if we... So we, I want to I want to clarify something too for you personally. Yeah. Um, what you have had so Pappy Van Winkle bourbon is fifteen, twenty, or twenty three year old. That's okay? right. It was only like old Rip Van Winkle is ten years old, and then the Van Winkle lot B is twelve years old. And so what Dane knocked back that one time was a twelve year old, um, which Shout was the lot Dane. B. Um, Dane is my brother. Dane is also he my made brother. A mistake. We don't, we don't judge him for it. No, of course not. You just said, you just said, uh, Dane is my brother as if he wasn't also my brother. He's also Sarah's brother. I think you just started conspiracy that we're not all related. (laughs) So. No, we are. (laughs) I can confirm. (laughs) The product line itself though has been, uh, recognized of course as premium and fetches top dollar in the secondary market. Really anywhere from like $2,000 for a bottle of the 23 year. And I've seen it go, Sarah. All the way up to like $10,000 a bottle. Christ. That's a thing that happens in this world. Um, it's production. Okay, quest- I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead. I keep interrupting. I'm very sorry. Would you ever pay $10,000 for a bottle? No. Okay. No. Well, okay. Hold on. I want to back up. If I had all the money in the world to blow. If I had all the money in the world. If I didn't have to worry about anything <laughs> and somebody presented me with a vintage bourbon that, you know, couldn't be acquired anywhere else. Yeah, I would probably spend that money on it. Like I said, the production is much lower than other brands with only about 7,000 cases each year. Most bourbons, uh, small batch, wind up with about anywhere from twenty to 50,000 cases a year. Uh, although Buffalo Trace has said that they recently upped their numbers in production. And I love this... It's still on display at the Buffalo Trace Distillery. The common recited motto in reference to Van Winkle bourbon is we make fine bourbon at a profit if we can, at a loss if we must, but always fine bourbon. And that just encapsulates what I love love about bourbon. (laughs) No, right? (laughs) Like, I think if Perry were to have anything tattooed on his body. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That's that's like so specific. <laughs> that means that like my body makes or fine he, bourbon. If uh, instead of weird. having this painting that I'm looking at in his bourbon room hanging, it would be a sign of that. Mm. That would be amazing. It would heck you could, yes. You could like not even a painting. You could like do it out of wood. Like have it cut. Oh, out of wood. like branded into it. Heck yeah. Okay, well you have a birthday coming up, so I'll I do. See what Thank I mean. you. All right, thanks. Yeah. All right, so that is my little kind of pre-report about. The Van Winkle bourbon and and the Van Winkle family. This is where things get fun. The 
Yes. And this is I where love. the heist. This is where the heist starts. So it all begins in 1969 when Gilbert Toby Kurtzinger was born. This in, went back to 69. Well, okay. Continue. I'm getting. I'm getting there. <laughs> Gilbert Toby Kurtzinger, who was born in 1969 in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, uh, not far from the Wild Turkey Distillery. More on turkey later. Um, shortly after he graduated high school in 1989, he began working for Buffalo Trace, which at the time was known as Ancient Age, and eventually worked his up uh, his way up rather to a senior employee where he worked in shipping. When asked about the heist, he responded with, I ain't totally innocent on a lot of this stuff, but I ain't the only one that's guilty. O-M-G. <laughs> this is what I live for. <laughs> so the criminal ring... This is the um, Kentucky, like... This is Kentucky Anna this is Kentucky. stuff right here. Yeah. <laughs> this is like Kentucky too. I mean, like, if there were ever going to be a like Kentucky this- crime ring this is it this might as well have been like anyone <laughs> look by by the end of this report if you don't come to the same conclusion that i have that this could be a movie someday no i'll be very surprised i'm gonna go ahead and say this before you even tell me the whole story that this could be a serial type podcast <laughs> so the criminal ring ran from approximately rather 2008 to 2015 but the roots go a little bit deeper than that um Kurtzinger's criminal activity allegedly began in 2003 when he was reassigned to work with bourbon barrels that, quote unquote, didn't meet quality standards. Mm, cute bad boys. He jo- I'm going to ignore that. Um, <laughs> he joked with his supervisor that he would uh, he should just be allowed um, to take some of these subpar barrels so that Buffalo Trace just wouldn't have to worry about them anymore. Much to his surprise, his boss obliged. His boss just said, yeah, go ahead and take these barrels. They're yours. Let me just uh, say there's probably some money involved. Uh, Yes, he did actually. I think he's quoted as saying that he made a little bit of money off of this. A little bit and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Quite a bit Um, of money. (laughs) Until he was busted, uh, he would often brag that uh, that he was in possession of about 20 cases of Pappy in his basement. And while his major claim to infamy, infamy rather, was the stolen bottles and cases, along with some other brands such as uh, Eagle Rare and some Russell's Reserve, he was also involved in trafficking controlled substances, such as anabolic steroids. Oh, no. More on that later. Okay, that kind of... I'm not going to say anything. It gets gets worse. Um, Hmm. Hmm. Kurt Singer was reportedly very hard to deal with at work and would often raise suspicion as to why he concerned himself... Uh, with certain issues that were going on at the distillery. Could it have been because he was taking steroids? Yeah, it's possible. I'm not going to comment too much on that. Um, He would repeatedly (laughs) take tubes out of fellow employees' tanks, which would call alcohol to spill and would, of course, make them look bad. And then he would try to make himself look better as as a response to that so that he could continue right. to work his way up in <clears throat> Buffalo Trace. Mm-hmm. Now, there was one occasion, too, where he actually kind of got upset with a supervisor. Um, what a pizza. When when his supervisor <laughs> noticed that there was some of the pappy stock uh, a little bit lower than normal, and she found a supply hidden under a warehouse guardrail and moved it back where it was supposed to be. And, of course, Kurt Singer got angry with her Mm -hmm. and berated her Hmm. and demanded to know where she had moved it. And this led to her growing increasingly suspicious about his actions and motivations. 
big ups to her yeah. and, okay. that, and that woman power. Also, I'm going to take a little sip of this Weller Antique 107, by the way. I will also take a sip of this Weller Antique 107. <laughs> During this time, though, uh, Kurt Singer began to develop a reputation of moving bourbon. He primarily, though, stuck to lower-end products like Ancient Age and Buffalo Trace and ignored some of the premium offerings. It wasn't until later that some of this stuff started becoming noticeably missing. Now, in 2015, when he was arrested, and, um, yeah, spoiler alert, he was was actually... uh, By the time he was arrested... Um, I believe he was 47. Oh. 45 or 47. I he was older for some reason. I can't remember for sure. Um, anyway, there was a massive 350-page report uh, on the heist. and It's a whole dang book. Part of that <laughs> included text messages that were forwarded mm. back and forth between not just um, uh, Kurt Singer and his cohorts, but Kurt Singer and his wife. Kurt Singer also has... A wife and two children. You know what's um, interesting? You probably know this. I don't know if everybody knows this, though. If you're tried in a court on a, a jury trial, you cannot bring your spouse as a witness. Well, his his spouse was convicted in some of this, too. Oh, so. in that case, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Anyway, so um, <laughs> while some of these texts are a little... Racy? Disheartening and racy. I'll say <laughs> I didn't include some of the racier ones because they are real bad. Um, hey There are some of them, though, that are a little bit endearing. For example. Oh. Um, and and it, I want to I clarify, too. These texts are not labeled by name. I don't know who exactly it was that sent these. Hmm. So I'm going to read a few of these line by line. So this first one, this first one was just a moment of celebration between friends. Okay. Text one. It's you, Chris and Jerry taking three loads up and bringing two back. I sent an extra person up there. So it's a nine man crew. Chris took the, I can't read that word. Not because I don't want to say it. I just literally cannot read it because this copy, this clearly photocopied file of text. I can't read. Anyway. How do they copy it? I don't know. Okay. Uh, text two. Good talk. <laughs> yes, sir. I was going to holler at you, but was going to wait until after the holidays because I didn't want to bother. Uh, text three. Okay, buddy. That will work. Thanks, man. Text four. Yes, sir. Happy holidays, partners. Text five. The same to you, buddy. This is so incriminating. It's so funny because there's just like this, like... It's like... Like, you don't want to feel too bad for them because they clearly are like trying to... Yeah. Like, they still care about each other, but it's at the real, same it's time... It's real chummy. It's very chummy. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they stole a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of, like, important stuff. Now, here's the thing, though. Some of that disheartening stuff... It was it was bad. Um, and a lot of it had to do with their steroid use. Oh, no. It's never good. Text one. Yeah, D-ball has always been great. Anadrol is best, but makes you go insane. <laughs> Text two. Haha, <laughs> ha. it probably has insane amounts of testosterone in it or something. D-ball has high amounts of estrogen in it, doesn't it? Text three. Yeah, but it's really anabolic, too. If you took a high dosage... You could get, oh, no. you could get gyno. I don't know what that means. 
I had it and it sucked. Gyno. Text four. <laughs> I feel like that might have been like a. <laughs> Don't know. Text four. Isn't that when your nipples get really hard and start leaking? <laughs> Text five. Yeah, just a way of your body showing estrogen. Uh, Text six, but I got an estrogen blocker so I can take high doses of stuff with no sides. Wow, it sounds really misinformed. So what what's interesting about this too is that like as much as they were kind of clearly lying to themselves, they weren't exactly being clear with their partners either. In the Seems way that like yeah, well, here's a text exchange between one of the cohorts and their spouse. Okay, hit me. Just gave myself a shot of penicillin. Shot? Where did you get that? Tractor supply. Oh my gosh. Is it just one shot? Yes. And I wait seven days and see if it takes effect. Why are they giving themselves shots of penicillin? The reason that they're they're doing these this penicillin is to prevent infection. Are they reusing from all of the? Well, yes. Um, but also from all of the different steroids that they were doing because they were worried that things were going to happen. Anyway. Ew. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Moving Nast. on. Nast. <laughs> uh, that last text again. Yes. And I wait seven days and see if it takes effect. Wow. You might start mooing or barking or meowing. Wow. You or might stop mooing. <laughs> you might stop mewing. <laughs> Next text. Wait and see if I have any side effects. What are the side effects? Oh, God. <laughs> Just waiting and seeing if there's any reactions. Gosh, I hope not. That's scary. And this is weird. You didn't think my side effects were funny. Yes, but I have taken a lot of steroids that are for animals. He had taken steroids for animals. What? Animal. What? Steroids. Yes, this is more than just stealing bottles of bourbon. So I feel and like this could more or less bourbon. like could kill you. Yes, if you're not careful. Yes, which he clearly wasn't being careful. Side note, kids, don't try this at home. Don't do this. Next text. Uh, you've taken a lot now. No, in the past, not past, past. Go get a chicken, cook it, and I'll make you chicken noodle soup and chicken salad uh, tomorrow after my interview. Not going to go back to work until after lunch. Okay. <laughs> Last text. Me too, please. <laughs> Last text. Oh, okay. I didn't think you were taking steroids. <laughs> Which is such a passive response to somebody maybe taking steroids that you have a fairly intimate relationship with. Well, do you think that like maybe it was just more normal in this uh, community? Yes, and we'll talk a little bit more about that here in okay. a bit. Um, the crew also expressed some interest in growing weed and selling it for profit as well as keeping it for themselves so they, quote-unquote, didn't have to buy anymore. Well. Do what you gotta do. Um, all this aside, though, how did the authorities actually get word that there was any kind of suspicious activity going on? The first actual indication uh, was in 2013 when Buffalo Trace reported that around 200 bottles of Van Winkle were missing from the distillery. I remember this. Yeah, an investigation yeah. began 
and a much larger story began to unfold, as we clearly see. So the, the big crackdown, though, happened in March of 2015 during the second big snowstorm in Kentucky. I remember that specifically. I do as well. Yeah. And wild turkey truck driver Mark Searcy, who was actually connected uh, to some of this heist as well, was complaining that he couldn't get his delivery truck down a road that coincidentally led to his stepfather's house. Hmm. And this led officials to wonder, why was this man driving his work truck in this kind of area? That same morning, an anonymous tip was actually given to the Frankfurt police and a raid was placed on Kurt Singer's house. There, authorities, who could reportedly smell the bourbon before they ever located it, found five barrels of wild turkey bourbon, Mm. uh, each having been sanded and spray-painted to remove identifying marks. Unsurprisingly, though, loads of illegal steroids were also found on the premises, along with 11 handguns, five rifles, three shotguns, a silencer, a half dozen types of anabolic steroids, various drugs for erectile dysfunction, and a plastic bag of hypodermic needles. Oh, no. Kurt Singer was later charged with drug trafficking, along with the quote-unquote theft by unlawful taking and receiving stolen property. He would later plead guilty to all charges and face a penalty of up to 15 years in prison. Guess how much time he served, Sarah? Can I guess? Like, actually? Actually, I guess. I would say, like, two years. Well, you would be wrong. He served one month. You're kidding. You're kidding. One month on shock probation. You're kidding. Nope. Nope. I cannot joke fifth- about that. Oh. Out of 15 years, he served one month 15 was on the max. shock probation. Yes. So I guess the minimum was no time? <laughs> Don't know. Eight other people involved in the heist, including Kurt Singer's wife, have all pled guilty to numerous accusations. And I bet they were all put on probation. Now, here's the thing about this. Oh, no. There is no solid evidence that indicates that Kurt Singer was, in fact, the kingpin behind the disappearance of the missing Pappy Van Winkle. Actually, it is. Mm -hmm. Despite the way that he boasted, the pictures that they found on his phone of multiple bottles sitting on his truck bed, and his erratic behavior at the distillery, there is nothing conclusive that points to his guilt in that particular crime. On what? Well, there's, there's nothing that actually points to him... I mean, regardless of, I I don't know, you know, what their interviews were like with witnesses. Might as well have just been the person who was driving the truck. (laughs) Potentially, but what what it is, is that he was, he was convicted of other things, Uh you know, but in terms of like the Pappy itself that was stolen, that's never been recovered. That's never been resolved, even though officials have said that it was unequivocally resolved wasn't unequivocally resolved. There was no location of the bottles. They just assumed that because he was associated with Buffalo Trace during this period, and the fact that he already had these outstanding allegations against him, that he must have been the sole to mastermind. Me, to me the evidence behind is damning. I would I think so too, but like but at the same time we're we're convicting him based on 
Circumstance. Circumstance, as opposed to hard evidence. Mm-hmm. So, in we we would have to, and I mean, yes, he you has been convict, accused. You can't convict somebody on circumstance, right? And he's been accused of you know moving barrels and moving bourbon and and all this stuff. Sure, he he had multiple barrels of of turkey bourbon mm-hmm. in his backyard under a tarp, but that doesn't mean that he stole. Or sold or traded or whatever the Van Winkle that was missing. It's where you reach the question of what you want to believe over mm-hmm. what can actually be taken into consideration and in conviction. Yeah. But you can't take that into consideration if you're going to try to convict him. So here's the it's thing so about... frustrating. Yeah. Here's the thing about the products that were retrieved, though. Mm. And we're talking, of mm-hmm. course, about the the turkey, because, of course, there was no Van Winkle. The question is, what would happen to it? So it's not something that can necessarily be bottled and then sold to the public, because we don't know what might have happened to that in between the time that it was stolen from the distillery and the time that it was recovered by the police. At its base element, bourbon has to be... Just the water that makes it up, the mash bill that makes it up, Mm -hmm. and the color that it receives, the age that it receives from the oak, okay? And the fact that it has to be made in America. Any other additives to it, you can't have to the product itself. So, you know, maybe, you know, where they sanded it and then spray painted the, the barrels, maybe some of that seeped in. There's nothing that they can do to, oh, you, no. I mean, but like that, that's lost product. But even still, I mean, if they added something to those barrels, they can't, you know, wild turkey can't sell them. Well, think about paint seeping into something that you're going to consume. Right. Like, I, it, it, even, even at its base, like. That's how you get cancer. Like quality control element. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it can't be, it can't be included in that. Right. Um, so. <sighs> Unfortunately, the the reaction and the, and the conclusion was just to destroy the barrels. So, is this ever brought before court? Um, the as a it, it, in regards to what would happen to the the barrels themselves. Yeah. No. Or in conviction of. No, because this is not a. This isn't necessarily a a legal decision. This is more recovery of stolen property. But that's illegal. It, well, sure, but I'm saying that once it's back in possession of the people that it was stolen from, unless it has outstanding evidence against it, mm-hmm. it then becomes the property of the person that it was stolen from, or uh, becomes again I their property. Yeah. Right. So they have the decision to make, what are we going to do with it? And the decision ultimately is, we can't do anything with it. We have to get rid of it. So there were there were five barrels of turkey that they found at this man's house. Which equates to about how many bottles? I'm thinking of this not in bottles. I'm thinking of it in dollars. Okay. $3,000 a barrel. Wow. So A barrel? A barrel. Shoot. Yes. Okay. And this was in 2015. So $15,000. Yeah. Slightly more now. Total probably. that yeah. they would have lost. Um, and really, there's no way for them to actually recover it so to to kind of wrap this up um the question is what's been done 
to make sure that this never happens again in the mm-hmm. bourbon industry. Well, due to the heist and the ensuing press coverage and the recent corporization, rather, of local distilleries, the bourbon industry is being dragged into the future by a robot forklift. (laughs) Uh, Sazerac, the parent company of Buffalo Trace, is spending $70 million on a new automated warehouse. So very soon, the Pappy will be in much safer hands. How do you feel about that? I have an opinion. Don't like it. I don't either. Don't like it. I think that uh, bourbon bourbon distilling is a very hands-on process. Well, and and I I agree with that to some degree, but there is still machinery that's involved, of course, to make it into what it is. I mean, you know, you have to have mm-hmm. some kind of machine to read temperatures as sure. it is, you know, being cooked, and then you have to have machines so you can read the um, the heads and the tails as it's being distilled and everything. I mean, there, there's so many different aspects that go into it that, you know, it, it has to have some kind of machine operation with it. And that's a thing that has been true to bourbon for as long as bourbon has been around. I mean, we can't just anybody who can just stick their finger in, in a boiling pot of water and go, yeah, that's, you know, 400 degrees. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless they're some kind of weird magician, you don't know that, that there's no way that they're telling the truth. I think that the question comes down to, is it a measure of, is it something that they're doing for ease or is it something that they're doing to make sure that the product is what they want it to be? Um, or is it maybe both? I think that it's both, but I think that more so than ease, it's security and safety. Okay. Which I don't, Mm -hmm. that doesn't bother me that much. Sure. I don't, I don't mind that. Um, It doesn't bother me either. Quality control is quality control. What bothers me is that like, I think that when you purchase a bottle of bourbon, you can kind of know that somebody's hands and eyes were on it. Well, sure. And I feel like it takes an element of that out of it. Yeah. I could see that, but it doesn't. Like it's so it's so person. Buying a bottle of bourbon is personal. It's a very good point, and I totally I totally agree with that. I <laughs> I think that like I connect more with the process that bourbon went through to be made than I do the bottling of it. Not yeah. to discount or discredit the bottlers, sure. But my thought automatically goes to the arduous process and the lengths to which people went through to actually make a, a really good product. And once it's bottled, that's for us. I, there was something that I was writing in my part of this earlier that was about how every drop of bourbon has a story wrapped up in it. Oh yeah. Go watch Neat. And Have you seen Neat yes, yet? Yes, I've seen it. I've seen it like multiple times. Good. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. No, I think I've watched it with you. I've watched it with Dad. I've watched it. You've with... watched it with me once, I think. No, I've, watched it. Really I've seen it a few it. times. I absolutely love that movie. I would own that movie on multiple different platforms, <laughs> honestly. I think that like I need to watch it again. Just uh, like this uh, point of my life that I'm in now. Didn't we got time? <laughs> 
Oh, you know, it'd be great. Old lady. What? (laughs) (laughs) I want to do, and and maybe it's not with you. Maybe it's with Curtis and and Swan. Um, Swanny. But to do like a, a, a commentary on that. For Patreon. Yeah, we'll do a Patreon commentary. That'd be, fun. That'd be great, actually. Yeah. Anyway, you could do it even as a stream. Yeah. So that um, get your popcorn. <laughs> sync it up. One, two, three. <laughs> so that does it for my report on the Great Pappy Heist. I really enjoyed this. That was yeah. I, this I, was I thought that was a lot of fun. We'll have to do something like this again in I the future. I feel like you kind of uh, kind of stepped into my world for a second. I think what that, I well, like you to definitely learn about. stepped into mine. Our world's intersected. So. <laughs> well, we are getting close to wrapping up this episode of the Smart Bourbon Podcast. But before we do that, we have to get into tips and bits, which is our recommendation segment. Sarah, do you have any tips and bits this I week? I sure do. Do you now? Uh, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I'm very into true crime. I'm very into the serial style podcast. If, uh, if you catch them adrift, this... Actually, just about, it was probably two hours ago that I finished this podcast. The last episode of this podcast dropped. Oh, wow. Uh, I think it was like 5 p.m. today. It's To Live and Die in L.A. It is the best podcast that I have listened to since Serial in that style. You told me about that. It is. I don't think I have. Because I just started listening to it this week. I could have sworn that you, maybe somebody else has. It might have been, I listen to a lot of Serial style podcasts, uh, the uh, Root of Evil, uh, S-Town. S-Town's really good, but that's kind of an old one. Um, also, and I have to shout out uh, Crime Junkies, my favorite true crime podcast. <laughs> you have to check them out. I know I've been needing to. You played me a little bit of them. Well, I also paid well. you. I paid, and- I paid you. I played you uh, a portion of a Patreon preview. Yeah, and, you did. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. So I have, and, and I, I kind of keep going back to um, podcasts that I've, I've recommended before, but this week's episode, well, last week's episode at this point, of one of my favorite podcasts of all time, Do Go On, was on, the, and they do reports. So the way that I presented my report was actually kind of in the same vein that Do Go On mm-hmm. does theirs. And it was on Marcel Pecio, who is a French serial killer. Oh, boy. Who has the nickname Dr. Satan. I hate that so much. Yeah, it's awful. (laughs) But it's a fascinating story. Um, I think, actually, uh, last podcast on the left um, did an episode about him as well this week, which is really kind of bizarre that two different podcasts yeah it it, it's very strange um and then the other one i have never mentioned this guy on the show before and if i have it's been a long time but there's a really fascinating and really artistic musical piece by Sufjan Stevens mm. called Planetarium. Mm-hmm. Have you heard it? Yeah, I have. Oh my gosh. It's absolutely beautiful. So I got to see him perform a little bit of it in Cincinnati a few years ago, probably probably about three years ago. And I, I, as, as great as that entire 
I'm going to call it a piece because I really do feel like it's a piece of, mm -hmm. of music or a piece of art. I would agree, yeah. Is there is one song on it, and each song is named after planets in our solar system. Saturn. Ugh. <laughs> that song, I... When I heard that song live, my jaw hit the floor. I mean, honestly, I, I was so blown away by it. And every time that I hear this song, I remember that moment and remember how impactful it was and Aww. just thinking like how incredible a, a really good piece of music is. So it was one of the like monumental music moments of your life. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would go that far, but what I would say is that it, so I, as a musician, I have moments in time where I recognize that I know why I make music and I know what I strive for when I make music. And it's the same thing with podcasting is that I have moments where I'm like, this is it. This is the reason why yeah. I, I create and am creative and that was one of them. I love that. So check out check out Planetarium. Also, um, Stevens. It's so daggum good. In terms of music today, the Head and the Heart released their album. Oh, did they? It is amazing. Oh. I I like every bit of that album. Also, oh. Lana Del Rey released a single off of her new album, which is being released later this year. She cannot do wrong in my eyes. So <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Have you heard Anderson Pack's new album? I have not. Oh my gosh, Sarah. I love Anderson Pack. He is at quintessential where I think that music has evolved to uh -huh. as of 2019. He reminds me of Mac in a strange way. Well, I mean, they, but he and Mac Miller had a really good relationship. Yeah, and, I think that's you know, what it is, yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, of course they were able to play off of each other and everything, but... He was on Dang. They, they were, <laughs> but they were like, it was like they were brothers in the same kind of musical movement where they were doing kind of the same thing in their own way, but separate from each other. Mm -hmm. And they, I, I think that of this age, of this era of music, Mac Miller and Anderson Pack will both go down as so important to maybe not just the rap music genre, but really music in general. I because I, I mean, I, I don't know if you heard it or not, but Anderson's first single off of this new album it feels like i've been listening to this song for years you said that about mac i know yeah i know and i think that that says something about people who etch their names into music yeah i totally like, agree with you yeah. I totally agree with and you. i hope that i hope we can hold on to anderson a lot longer than we did for mac oh i think we i think we yeah, will i hope we can I'm anyway gonna, um yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, that does it for this week's episode of this My Bourbon Podcast. I want to say thank you so much to Sarah for coming thank on. Thank you and for doing, having me. It's been it's so fun. Little, it's my little sister. <laughs> we'll we'll have to do something else uh, in the future for sure. Your little old sister. Yeah, yeah. you're always going to be my little sister. You uh, know of that. Of course, I know. Uh, do you have any plugs or places that people can find you on social media you if they would like to? You uh, can follow me on Instagram at 
O-O-H underscore Sarah with an H. 98. What's your Twitter account? Is it Sarah Ritt? It might be the same thing. No, I think it's S-A-R-R-I-T-87. That, that was my original handle, and I was like, nah, we gotta like spice it up a little. <laughs> Streamline it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I think I might have changed it at one point to the same. Um, If it ever loads, okay. No, it's the same. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Follow her over there on uh I'll hit you back in. As well. Yeah. If you want to follow the show, you can hit us up at my bourbon pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you'd like to follow me personally, I am at pritter1492 uh, on all social media platforms. If you would like to send us a question or comment about the show, you can hit us up on the emails. This is my bourbon shop at gmail.com. Or you, of course, can always send us uh, messages, comments, whatever on Twitter or Instagram. We really do love hearing from you. Give us a five-star rate and review on iTunes. That really does help us out. Also, please subscribe to the show if you have not done so already. And tell your friends about the show. It really does help us out to spread the word. Bourbonshop.threadless.com is where you can find all of our apparel and merch. Um, we have some new designs up there currently. Some new ones will also be coming up here very, very soon. I'll let you know more about those probably within the next week or so. And then, of course, the big one. Patreon.com slash podcast For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron of the show. It really does help me out. As much of a passion project as this is for me, I sometimes need... A little bit of help to make this show free to you and I, I want you all to remember that you know you do get this content this episode these episodes for free every single week and um, if you if you have that opportunity to help me out to show that you can um, support us in in any kind of certain way and, and even if you are not able to financially support us just telling other people about the show that really does help us out um but again for as little as a dollar a month you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast and you can become a, f- a a part of a really fun community oh gosh th- there's two more things that i've totally forgotten about youtube.com slash this is my bourbon podcast i do live streams every thursday night at uh, 9 p.m it's a really fun time and then also you can search this is my bourbon group on facebook And if you are a listener of the show, you can become a member of a really fun and awesome group over there on Facebook. We have a lot of fun sharing experiences and pours and, you know, shelf shots and everything with each other. I just, I I love everybody who is in there so far. We want to see that keep growing and growing. So if you're a listener of the show, of course, head to Facebook and search This Is My Bourbon Group. We would be happy to add you to that. That about does it for this week. I have a very fun episode next week as well with some special guests from a local bourbon group. Sarah. Perry. Thank you so much for being on this thank week. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll have to do it again soon. I love you. Love you too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I will see you next week. But until then, I'm Perry, and this is my bourbon podcast. Mm-hmm.